Welcome to the Boulder Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Davis. This episode is part of our 2020 Boulder Startup Week series. Because of the coronavirus, this year's Startup Week takes place virtually. We won't be doing as many interviews as we have the past two years, and we'll miss seeing everyone in person, but look forward to catching as many of the online sessions as we can. For more info and a full schedule, visit boulderstartupweek.com. We've got another podcast takeover in this edition with the Boulder Tech Podcast combining forces with Impact Founder, a media company debunking the myth that entrepreneurship is sexy or easy. They tell the real stories of entrepreneurs so you don't feel alone in your experience as a founder. For Boulder Startup Week 2020, Impact Founders founder, Kristen Darga, speaks with founders who pivoted or launched during the COVID-19 shutdown. In this episode, she speaks with two people who decided to change course so that their business could better serve their community during this critical time. Our first is Rebecca Cranston, CFO of Amerify and managing partner of Four Corners Clean in Durango, a disinfecting service she started in response to the coronavirus pandemic. They've been hard at work throughout the Southwest and most notably in the Navajo Nation, spraying in the highest risk community, residential and tribal government spaces where rates of infection have not stabilized and death rates are among the highest in the world. And if starting one company wasn't enough, the interest in Four Corners Clean led Rebecca to launch Amerify, a distribution company created to help provide disinfecting services nationally. Here's Kristen's conversation with Rebecca Cranston as Impact Founder takes over the Boulder Tech Podcast. I want to help solve the COVID-19 crisis on the Navajo Nation, and I'm concerned lack of funds and coordination to combat the crisis will prevent the curve from flattening. My name is Rebecca Cranston. I live in Colorado. I'm the CFO of Amerify. It is a distribution company that provides all the equipment necessary to disinfect spaces from COVID-19 and other viruses and bacteria. I'm the managing partner of Four Corners Clean. It is the service company and a licensee of Amerify that is providing the direct services to businesses and governments and other types of public residential spaces as well to provide those disinfecting services directly. Wow, awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we even get into the topic of today's discussion and pivoting during COVID, I always am curious what drives people in the direction of becoming an entrepreneur? Well, for me, I actually um, have been working in healthcare for a few years. I've been an entrepreneur at points in the past, but not in several years. But down here in the Four Corners region, the COVID-19 crisis has hit us. I mean, same with many different places, but it hit us pretty hard and we saw an opportunity to do what we could to help. The Navajo Nation is experiencing some of the highest rates of infection and, of course, death as well. And finding the resources to get in there to help them flatten the curve has been a huge challenge. So we just saw the opportunity and decided to start these businesses. That's amazing. One of the things that I love about entrepreneurs or people who maybe think a little outside the box is they're always looking for how they can better serve their communities. A lot of times innovation comes out of these pain points or the problems that you see that you want to help solve. So 
have you come up against any challenges so far? Um, or what, what is the challenge you've experienced in growing these two companies? Yeah, sure. So for us, it started off as a service company. It started off with us just saying we can buy a few rigs. What we do essentially is we provide EPA registered lists and chemicals that are registered to kill these viruses. We spray them through an atomizer and um, from ceiling to floor of a surface, and it is rated again to kill these harmful contaminants. So that's what we do. And the challenge hasn't really been, the, the demand is there. So we started Four Corners Clean first just to meet our local demand. And then Amerify came about because we were getting interest from all over the country from people saying, how do we do what you're doing? So we secured the supply lines and came up with training videos and documentation just to essentially be a, a starter kit for places because we can't meet the demand all over the country for what we're doing. So our challenge, frankly, has been to kind of scramble to organize the demand that we have and to try to um, to get the word out there that this does exist and it exists seamlessly and people can get these products from us if they would like. That has been a challenge. We were revenue positive within the first two weeks of Four Corners Clean. We were revenue positive with Amerify after one month. So, you know, that hasn't really been the challenge. As it pertains to the Navajo Nation, I would say our biggest challenge has been the navigating the bureaucracy. We get dozens of calls every day from residents on the Navajo Nation and people on the Navajo Nation saying, for example, we had a woman uh, from a church recently call us and say, my pastor and his wife passed away last week and we're all grieving and we're all devastated, but we, we want to make sure that our space is decontaminated so that we can feel safe back in these spaces. And it was the challenge isn't we can show up and we can spray. The challenge is coordinating how the federal government funding goes into the Navajo Nation and how it's then coordinated the, the response to it. That has been a huge challenge. So are you mostly working with the government on this or just in that particular scenario? Well, so the government in the Navajo Nation is somewhat complicated. There's the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which is a federal body. There's the Navajo Nation itself, which is a tribal entity. There's other things like the National, or sorry, the Navajo Tribal Utilities Authority, all sorts of places that govern different public spaces. So that has been a challenge to navigate. We are hoping to contract with other city and state governments as well around this. But the answer is generally no. Um, we're contracting with... Well, it depends on what we're talking about. For Four Corners Clean, we get calls from local businesses all the time. So we'll go and we'll spray it down a local business prior to opening. But for Amerify, our customer is actually somebody who wants to start spraying in their own local area. So we help them kind of determine who their contracts would be. Do they want to target government? Do they want to target um, businesses? And so we kind of help out with that process. So um, just because I was thinking about it, I was wondering, there's a lot of people that are probably listening or who will listen later who have restaurants or businesses of their own, maybe boutiques, any sort of brick and mortar, and maybe even offices. Are these people that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. So our challenge now also is as we, through Amerify, we're trying to get local providers local sprayers, local companies set up so that they can respond to the local demand because we can't necessarily be the service provider everywhere. So our goal is to, if we can, be the matchmaker between, if we get a call in Wichita, Kansas, which we have, from a business saying, I want to reopen my restaurant. Is there somebody in your area? Our challenge is to get somebody there set up with a business so they can respond to those calls. 
So it's a franchise or they have their own company? It's a license agreement that we have. So we, we would essentially distribute and everything that they need to start, including the chemicals, the disinfectant chemicals that they'll need and the um, commercial atomizing sprayers, PPE, personal protective equipment, yep. um, and then all the training videos necessary. So I really see two, two opportunities here for people who are listening or who are listening later that if you'd like to set it up for yourself to be one of those providers, we'll call them, and or if you need the service, this would be a direct line to you. Yep. So you have opportunity on both sides. Okay. So let me get this straight. <laughs> you and your partner started this how long ago? Two months. <laughs> well, we started Four Corners Clean again, our local service provider two months ago, two, two and a half, three months maybe. But yeah, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. I bet. So where a lot of people are furloughed or laid off, or maybe their clients have dwindled, you have found an opportunity and you created an opportunity, you know, just find yeah. it, right? Yeah. And that's a good point because that's actually one of the reasons why we exist is because we've had what, 30 million jobless claims in America over the past couple of months. So we really want to be putting people to work. We've gotten calls from businesses saying, for example, from a pesticide company saying, you know, we have these PPP funds to be able to keep folks on payroll, even though we don't have any business, how can we actually be utilizing that to do something good in our community? So we've had, that's been kind of one of the examples of people who are interested in purchasing an Amerify package. But that is one of our values is to really help to reopen our economy. Have you now, another thought came to mind. Have you worked with a restaurant directly that you sell them the package and they do it? Or do we're they open have- to that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, great. We're absolutely open to that. I know there's probably a ton of restaurants and businesses out there who are just trying to figure out how to be the right kind of clean. Yep. Absolutely. Things like, like an internal sort of deal like that is absolutely, we've talked with some airlines about that sort of thing. So we're definitely interested in that as well. Yeah. And actually an example of that too is schools here locally, schools already have an entire like custodial staff that they want to be utilizing. They don't want to hire a company to come in when they're already struggling to put folks to work. So they're interested in purchasing our equipment and you know, training manuals and stuff like that without necessarily needing the service component of it. I'm so amazed and fascinated by what you're building and how people can actually implement it really easily. Yeah. Um, how many team members do you have? We have- um, On your founding total, team. Yeah, across the two companies, we have about seven folks involved. Our Four Corners Clean, because we're, well, one of our um, major partners is a member of the Navajo Nation. So he's kind of helping us to spearhead and, and navigate that whole project. And we, you talked about pivot and we actually, in a way, in a sense, we did pivot. Two of our partners owned a construction company before and were examples of folks who wanted to kind of transition the workforce into being sprayers locally. So that's kind of how it all came about. Wow. That's really interesting. And then, so how did you get involved? Well, I got involved because my background is finance and data and processes. And my brother is one of the original construction owners and he you know, wanted to bring me in to help write the business plan and develop a business model, pricing, that sort of thing. 
So yeah, I just said yeah. And with growth, that's moving so quickly, and the opportunity being—I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity actually for growth. You have to have that process. You have to have that plan. You need to be able to have the structure to follow. It's—it's it's what I always would say to some of the the companies or nonprofits I would consult with in the past is that you have to have a strong foundation for growth. Mm-hmm. It's just a building. Yep. Yep. If the basement has a foundation that's off, we have a problem with the rest of the house. Absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So they brought you in to build that foundation. Yep. And they partnered, you all partnered together. And now you have these two companies that are able to serve in a lot of different markets. Yep. How do you get the word out right now? We're trying to do it more and more. Honestly, right now we're for Four Corners Clean locally. We don't really need to. We already kind of get calls all the time. On the Navajo Nation, same thing. We get folks calling us all the time. The demand isn't really the issue to get the word out. The issue, again, is coordination. For Amerify, we're looking for different avenues, though. We do get calls and we get interest from folks, but we're, we're looking for those right kind of matchmakers as well that will help us to find people who would be interested in an opportunity like this. Wow, that's really great. So, you know, one of the questions I usually ask is what, what is your biggest success? So, so far, what would that look like for you? Our biggest success so far, I think, has been all the contracts we've been able to complete on the Navajo Nation. We're really proud of that because I mean, again, for me, I wouldn't be involved with just like a cleaning company. It's I've been in healthcare for the past several years because I really want to do something in my community and I really care about public health. So the fact that we are going to a place that has been the hardest hit in our whole country that has been really struggling with getting coordination around the response to COVID-19 is one of the reasons why I'm there. So I'm really proud of that. Yeah, I think that's been our biggest success. Yeah, that just gave me the chills. So, um, you know, in a couple of months, you've already, you're cash flow positive, right? You have already had some challenges, which is what I think it sounds like the Navajo Nation is your largest challenge. And not that they are, but that the integration into the the community and coordination Mm -hmm. is a challenge, um, Mm -hmm. which means to me, it probably is going slower than you'd like it to, even though you're able to make that difference, you like to integrate a little bit faster than you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the most incredible things to me that I get to learn right now, interviewing people like you, it's such a gift to be able to see all of the positive coming out of the community to positively impact the community. And it's often said that small business is sort of the foundation of our country. And it is, small business is. But what I see here happening uh, among you know, the people I've interviewed through Impact Founder is it's not necessarily just that it's small business. It's that it's the entrepreneurs. It's the people who are thinking, well, this is what we do. This is what I know. This is what I need. This is what they need. How can we better connect the dots? And it's not even just that. It's problem solving at a meaningful level. And I get the chills so much right now being able to talk with people who are seeing outside of what they normally do in order to make a difference. So I just wanted to say thank you for that before we move on. 
And I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing your stories about what it's been like building just the little roadblocks you have and just, you know, you have this, this product, this uh, tool to implement for businesses, but you just can't scale it fast enough to, to, um, the scaling is a license instead of any other form of growth, right? Because that's the easiest form to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of advice would you give founders right now based upon everything that you've done the past two months, which is such a short period of time, yeah. but you've learned and done so much? Well, I guess the advice I would give, I've started nonprofits in the past. I started a company that was a little more tech focused before. It's interesting for me to be doing something that's not really tech focused at all. When I've gotten funding for projects in the past or, you know, made my pitch to VCs or whatever, I feel like there's so much focus on, on that really quick scalability. It's interesting for me to not have that be a focus. Well, scalability, yes, but not necessarily the, how do you get users or or whatever it might be. I think it's, to me, the kind of more brick and mortar world is a little more, I've actually found it to be easier. I found it to be easier for folks to wrap their brains around exactly what we're doing. And so for people who are kind of looking for their next idea or opportunity, don't shy away from those more concrete, maybe less sexy ideas, because you can make a big difference in your community in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's a really great uh, way to look at it. And I think that's where we're really finding right now is uh, having the, the largest pain point is the brick and mortar community. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of them have had to pivot for online or distribution mm-hmm. in different channels. And it's maybe even how can you help them with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And lastly, what was the best advice you've received? Hmm. I would say that the best advice I've received I think with startups, probably anybody who's ever dabbled in startups before knows that some days you just feel so good and you have a big success or a big sale or something happens. You feel so good. And then the next day you feel like, what am I even doing? This is not going to work. Try to take the average of that (laughs) and try to like see the big picture, like take it month by month or quarter by quarter rather than day by day. That advice has been given in so many different ways in the last couple of days. And I'll say it again because it's my absolute favorite quote, if you will, but it sits at my desk in front of me. And it says, all there is to do is what there is to do right now. Mm -hmm. So you like, it's good to have a plan for three months, three years, five years, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, one month. (laughs) Yeah. But when it comes down to what there is to focus on, it's just what there is to do right now. Yeah. Really great. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I know your time is incredibly valuable and you're probably ridiculously busy right now. Um, And it's an honor to be able to share your story of how you were able to find opportunity in a time where there's a lot of lack. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. That was Impact Founders Kristen Darga speaking with Rebecca Cranston, managing partner of Four Corners Clean and CFO of Amerify. Learn more at fourcornersclean.com. Next up, Kristen talks to Tommy Riley, co-founder of Handoff, a chat and voice-based alcohol recommendation and delivery platform. 
When the coronavirus led to Colorado locking down in mid-March, Handoff took a tremendous risk to pivot and help Colorado breweries who did not have a retail presence. Their focus on local product has helped liquor stores, brewers, and distillers across the state to remain afloat during a difficult time. Here's Kristen and Tommy. My business has experienced a sustained period of explosive growth to the tune of 180% month over month, and I currently do not know if I'll be able to pay rent next month. My name is Tommy Riley. I live in Denver, Colorado. My business is Handoff. We are an alcohol delivery platform and marketplace, and I am a co-founder. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. It's an interesting time to be an entrepreneur, but before we get into that, I'm just curious what inspired you to become an entrepreneur in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. From kind of day one when I was very little, I was one of those that you could argue has had the entrepreneurship gene from day one, um, from lemonade stands to baseball cards to, let's see, what were some of the other ones I built in up until college. I'm actually my current co-founder, Caden McKenzie, right now, and I built dorm room lofts. And we actually built lofts against the will of our of Colorado College and ended up selling them the years following after they had been approved. So I think kind of just from the get-go, entrepreneurship to me has always been incredibly appealing. I love being able to run my own processes. I've had, you know, multiple jobs where I've worked in offices and it just never really clicked for me. Really enjoy being able to kind of run my own day, my own time, and create the impact that I really seek to put out into the world for myself. And it's been incredibly rewarding from when I was 10 years old to present day. And I don't think I'm kind of one of those that you could definitely say are unemployable entrepreneurship for life. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that entrepreneurial spirit. It's kind of funny how you feel like you never really fit in. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I found it the whole time. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a really different time and you've kind of been doing this your whole life. So you're probably pretty good at change shifting. I think that's what we would call it. And adjusting to different things that are happening. So what's a challenge you've experienced as a founder? It could be what you're going through right now, and it could have been something in the past. And what was that for you? Sure. So I will start by saying, obviously, starting something as a first-time founder was definitely the largest challenge and kind of where the head games really start to play very heavily. You know, you always read about the success of certain entrepreneurs, particularly in the tech space, but the stories are rarely told about how they started. And as first-time founders, you really have to lay the foundation not only for yourself as a founder that's going to get stuff done, but also for your business. Are you serving a niche? Are you growing? There are so many boxes that you need to check. And as a first-time founder, you're kind of just drinking from the fire hose every second of every day, even in your sleep. And that's something that we're still going through. And I think that you know every entrepreneur can relate. But your first stab at it is always going to be the most difficult. You go through a lot of imposter syndrome, but you just have to continue to, to show up every day and make it happen. It's kind of been my ethos from, from day one is that, you know, showing up, getting the work done over time is what gets you places. So. Yeah. That, that fire hose, the question I have is like, when does it ever really stop? I mean, at what stage are you not learning? I don't think it does. Uh, the fire hose is the, the way of life in the startup world and it will never stop. It will only get even crazier as your business continues to grow. I and mean, that's something we've continually seen. So not, not expecting it to stop, 
but also being able to effectively manage the fire hose, so to speak, because there is no stopping it whatsoever. So how do you overcome that sort of drinking from the the fire hose feeling? A lot of that has, has come from being able to leverage, you know, your network, your community, your team members, being able to ask questions, opening yourself up from a vulnerability standpoint to go and say, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing with XYZ. You do. Would you, you know, be willing to walk me through this? Let me know uh, what I'm doing wrong, where we can optimize things. I think opening yourself up there is huge because although you are drinking from the fire hose, there there are others that have been on the same path as you or have experienced something very similar, seeking out those individuals and mentors or advisors or contractors, you name it. You're not a never a one man team when you're building a company. It really does take a village. And I think coming to the realization that that's key to success in this space unlocked massive potential for myself as a founder as well as my team members. So, yeah. Yeah, so speaking of challenges, um, this is a really interesting time and a lot of founders are finding themselves either in a sink or swim moment or the complete opposite where they're just, you know, exponential growth is happening. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what challenge you're experiencing right now? It can be a positive or negative challenge. We're not trying to shape the world with all, you know, with just the one kind of story. We just, we want to know what is it really like for you and your company right now? Yeah. So interestingly enough, over the course of the last six weeks or so, we've gone through some major changes within our platform to account for what's going on right now. Just as a bit of background, Handoff is a chat and voice-based application that instantly recommends and delivers beer, wine, and spirits from local liquor stores. And currently, a lot of our partners are going through incredibly hard times and have had to lean on a lot of our services for, you know, to be able to kind of stay afloat. And so we made, and I'm sure we will go into this, but we've made some significant changes to our platform in, in order to account for that. And I would say as far as a challenge goes, we feel a tremendous responsibility to our local craft alcohol economy as sort of Denver's locally focused alcohol delivery platform. That responsibility is incredibly heavy right now. And it's something that we do feel every day and we're trying to you know, do everything that we can to make sure that we're continuing to support and impact the local craft alcohol economy here in, here in Colorado. And so I would say that that, has, has weighed on us a bit, but the more that we do to, to solve it, the better it feels and the more solutions we can come up with. And so are you actively reaching out to them? Or are they finding you? What has that connection looked like? So a lot of it has been existing partners. And then I would actually say it's kind of a 50-50 split. So we've actually done a ton of reach out and saying, hey, you know, XYZ Brewery or, or Liquor Store, we're a platform that can bring, can engage an online audience optimize for cash flow for you guys in this difficult time, bring your products online. And so it's, it's kind of been a mix. I have a friend that I actually want to connect you with now. <laughs> I'm, yes, like, I'm like, oh, my brain is working, you know, who can I connect him with? It's really great that you're taking on that like local responsibility for the Denver area or Denver, Boulder, Colorado in general. Yeah. Colorado in general, focus in Denver, Boulder and Fort Collins. So kind of a, the, the major sections of the front range. So tell me about how you're handling what we would call success. So I'll, uh, I'll backtrack a little bit and say that the kind of what the initial strategy when things started to unfold in this COVID situation, uh, we, we looked at our local economy. We saw that shelter in place was going to be taking effect 
Uh, this was days before. And we basically said, hey, guys, we circled up as a team and said, what can we do that will not only positively impact our business, but can provide relief to the businesses that are going to be incredibly affected by what's about to happen. The decision that we came to was that we were going to pull all and delist all non-local beers from our platform entirely. Pretty risky move at the time for us because a lot of our top sellers are, you know, the larger name brands, the alcohol brands that everyone's incredibly comfortable with, et cetera. And we said, no, our local economy needs this right now. If we pull all non-local beers, it'll encourage shoppers to, you know, check out new breweries. We're very discovery first. So we kind of pride ourselves on people coming into the handoff app, discovering something new to drink. So we said this may actually present itself as a, as a very positive opportunity to you know, bring some attention to some of these local breweries in the online space because on-premise dollars are now non-existent. As a result, our business surged as a direct result of this move. We made the move about March 15th, and in the, the subsequent weeks, we surged about 300% across all of our metrics based on this move. We've provided liquidity to many local businesses, whether those are liquor stores, breweries. We threw a, a music festival in hand with a lot of other local Denver businesses and ended up raising $3,500 for Colorado's COVID-19 relief fund, which all in all has done incredible things for our business, putting ourselves out there. But more than anything, we've been able to find a niche where our software business, our app, our community can provide a ton of relief to businesses in need right now. And that's been the definitely the, the coolest part about what's been going on for us. It's so great. What I love about entrepreneurs, which I think sometimes is a little bit separate from business owner, right? And they're the same, but they're also separate. There's entrepreneurs are always thinking about how to navigate what's currently happening. And so, like you said, drinking from the fire hose is a normal experience. If you're an entrepreneur and you've been an entrepreneur and you think creatively about problem solving and you're curious and you kind of want to constantly be evolving with, with whatever is out there to evolve with, that's an entrepreneur. And I love what you say about how right before this started to happen, you took an opportunity to look at things and go, hey, what can we really do here to serve the biggest need that we see? To me, that's how an entrepreneur thinks. Yep. See a need, fill the need. You know, it's kind of our ethos in, in, in many ways. And that proved to be exactly how we went about this situation. We could kind of see the writing on the wall that on-premise would be shut down. And we made a difficult decision. I will not say that it was like this, you know, shining light that said, hey, you guys should delist all non-local beers. But we felt as though it was the right thing. We kind of gut checked ourselves there and went forward with it. And we're actually moving forward from a brand perspective, going to keep it that way we will continue to restrict inventory based on a user's location to be able to highlight local businesses that, that need the extra support in this time. That's really great. When you were making that decision, what was the fear that you had as a team or an individual and how did you overcome that fear? So as I mentioned, in our particular case, a lot of the beers that we were going to be delisting were top sellers. So, I mean, if you were to put it into basic terms, it's you are pulling the you know, some of the key pieces to success in your business completely off of the platform and hoping that users will respond with absolutely no tech, you know, in the tech space, we'd like to, to test absolutely everything to ensure that what we put out there will see success. And this was basically one day to the next. And we said, hey, the classic 
massive brand beers that people know and love will no longer be available on our platform. So it was very, very scary to make that decision to, to begin with. And as a whole, was that something that was t- like a difficult choice to make to overcome that fear? Yes. Like when did you feel uh, like when you finally pulled the plug on it, right? Or removed those listings that you were comfortable with that decision? Was it just, we're um, do this, you know, full speed ahead. We got this. We're completely comfortable with this choice. There's no risk. <laughs> we're going to totally make it. But, you know, how did you overcome that feeling? You just really believed yeah. in what you were doing? To some degree. And the immediate support that we received from the community, whether that was from a PR perspective, you know, the, the media mentions that started to come in and say, hey, these guys are really they did something incredibly risky here and, and it's, it's paying off not only for them, but for their partner retailers, partner breweries, et cetera. But we kind of knew right away, it's interesting operating in a space that doesn't, that prior to this happening, we did not necessarily have any direct social connections to the community that we were trying to impact. And this kind of gave us the perfect gateway to do so. So it was, it was, you know, a little bit of, you know, trust in that we made the right decision, but then seemingly hours after we had made the decision, the announcements went out, just the, the outcry of support for what we had just done made it all worth it immediately and continues to make it worth it now. So, One of the things that I love seeing businesses do is focus on the local community, focus on their employees and invest in that. What, at the end of the day, that sh- that's gonna show a bigger return because it's showing you're caring about people. And that seems to me what you guys are really focused on. You know, how can we make a difference with the people that we know we can serve and give back to them right now? We have a way for them to actually make it. Absolutely. And it's an yeah, it's, wins, right? Totally, right. And we would be absolutely nothing without these partners. So we, as I mentioned earlier, that responsibility really hit us like a ton of bricks to say, we have this very interesting software that can provide liquidity and cash flow awareness, attention to these local businesses that are freaking out right now about, you know, in many cases, a lot of these local craft breweries or local craft alcohol suppliers in general are going to come to decisions of whether or not to close very, very soon if they haven't already. And as kind of the software layer that enables people staying at home to be able to order their beer, it's incredibly important that we've, you know, take a step back and say, we're, we're in a position of incredible leverage right now to make a difference. How can we best make that difference? So. Yeah, that's really great. Look, I love telling these stories of how businesses are finding needs and, and growing with other companies. So I really appreciate you being here to tell those stories. I think businesses right now, what gives us hope is the ability to see how when faced with a challenge, we can overcome it. So just a couple more questions for you today. I'm just like little things that I like to throw in there because I think it gets you thinking a little bit about who's made a difference to you. What is the best advice you've received? Let's see. There's so, so many. I'm trying to think of. Um, I know I really just throw that at you, you know, completely. Off yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> I think I can tie it back to an earlier point I made. And it's just that you need to show up every day. You know, some call it the five mile a day trot and it's just showing up every day, making sure that you're getting things done because when you compound that over time, the results are just astounding. 
there's a lot of days when you don't want to show up, but you show up on your laptop, you show up with your partners, you show up with your business and good things happen. So show up every day. That's really great. Well, the other question, I feel like you just answered, but let's try it anyway. Let's see if you have something else. What's the advice that you would give others? Other founders right now, maybe it's a right now thing. I would say we'll go back to something else I said earlier, but see a need, fill a need. So entrepreneurship, in many cases, you find personal success, you find success within your business when you are filling a need that is out there and getting started. So I'd say actually finding something, finding a pain point, going after it with everything you have and uh, good things will come of it. So solve a problem that needs to be solved and do not stop. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Tommy, and sharing how during these times where a lot of people can't see outside of their pain and their fear, a way to kind of get past it and actually serve others and in turn, help your business grow. Um, I really appreciate your insight and we just really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for telling these stories. There are many other founders out there that have gone through a pretty crazy time recently. So it's, it's, it's excellent to see you guys dive into those stories. Um, so thank you again. That was Kristen Darga from Impact Founder speaking with Tommy Riley, co-founder of Handoff. Find out more and download the app at handofftech.com. This has been an Impact Founder takeover of the Boulder Tech Podcast, and that was Kristen Darga, founder of Impact Founder, speaking first with Rebecca Cranston of Four Corners Clean and Amerify, and Tommy Riley of Handoff. To listen to more stories, please visit impactfounder.com or find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and most other podcast platforms. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Impact Founder. The Boulder Tech Podcast is made possible in part by Boulder Startup Week Platinum sponsors Honey, Name.com, and the Downtown Boulder Partnership. We're also supported by Glider, a Colorado-based community movement and nonprofit that produces Boulder's Ignite and TEDx events, as well as Boulder Startup Week. Learn more and consider a donation at Glider.com. Our intro music is by Echo Deck. Hear more at echodeck.com. That's E-C-C-O-D-E-K. Our outro music is by Earthrise Sound System. You'll find them at earthrisesoundsystem.com. The Boulder Tech Podcast is produced by me, Joel Davis. Your feedback, criticisms, comments, and guest suggestions are welcome. Reach me at joel at dojo4.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here for the next episode of the Boulder Tech Podcast.